Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Joy Project. My name is Krista Abampato. I am your host. And today I am joined by the wonderful Libby Nelson, who I am so excited to get to talk to and get to introduce all of you to Libby. Welcome to Joy Project. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Libby, tell me where um, you are right now in the world. I sit in Seattle, Washington. Um, originally from Philadelphia, but I have lived all over the U.S. and last seven years here in Seattle. That's fantastic. I went to the University of Pennsylvania as an undergrad. Oh, you did? So okay. Have, Philly is near and dear to my, I mean, I am a New Yorker through and through. And I will yeah. say Philly is a close second and I absolutely love Seattle. I've been there a bunch of times and it's just a great, a great, great city. I love it. Yeah. Two totally different places, but I love them both too equally much mm -hmm. for different reasons. So that's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. So Libby, I'm going to start this conversation the way they always do and ask you what brings you joy. Oh, well, right now in Seattle, I don't know if you can tell through the window, the sun is shining. And anytime the sun is shining in Seattle, that is instant joy giver. And um, sure. I am, I'm somebody who has had an evolving evolution with nature. I grew up very much a book kid, as I know we're going to talk about. And the outside weather didn't seem to impact me at all. And now <laughs> the older I get, the more I seek sunshine and just being outside in balance to my, to my book loving tendencies. So sunshine for sure. Reading amazing books, as I know, you know, deep, really deep, meaningful conversations with people, either people new to me or lifelong people. That's kind of fuel for my soul. The work I do is all about deep conversations. And so I, that's one of the things I love about my work and really spending quality time with people that I care about, you know, I mean, no big surprise there, but the pandemic has really reminded me of how precious just that like quality of time is with folks. So yeah, those are a few things. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the pandemic has really brought that out in all of us. Not that I didn't value my relationships before. I just feel like this pandemic has really brought that in to focus as much as we love our digital world. And we are able to do things in the digital world that yeah. we were never able to do before and nothing replaces being with people. It doesn't, you know, yeah. having conversations. Yeah. And I don't think that it will ever be possible for any of us who have gone through this pandemic to ever take that for granted again, really? of the, yeah. the people in our lives and the relationships that we have. Yeah. It's really moving to be back, like sitting at a table with somebody after several years, you know, I'm finding myself like emotionally moved by that almost to tears sometimes of like, you know, just with the gratitude for the presence after so long without it, it's, it's unexpected, yes. unexpectedly joyful. Yes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the work. You said that your work has to do with deep conversations. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I'm a coach. I'm an executive coach, primarily an executive coach. So I've been coaching for the last 10 years. I, I started my work. I was a theater major in college, and then I worked in a really soul-sucking corporate job for a couple of years and moved into social work, which I loved, but it was complicated and stayed home for a few years with my kids. And then 10 years ago, I went back to become a certified coach. And I have a combination of a private practice where I support 
you know, really bright, high achieving women who are in the middle of major life transition, um, all different kinds of transitions, which a lot of people are these days, um, personally and professionally. And then a big part of my work, probably the bulk of my work these days is working with new parents in their first year back to work following maternity or paternity leave. So as part of gender equity and inclusion, helping new moms, especially figure out how can I be the person I want to be at home and at work and really digging deep into purpose, meaning, setting boundaries, perfectionism, people pleasing, you know, all of these kind of tendencies that a lot of us, especially women have based on how culture has raised us up, you know, and so helping people to dive deep into that and create a life that feels authentically right for them is kind of the the backbone of my work. So Yeah, it involves a lot of juicy conversations and that's what I love the most about it. Is there an element of joy in that work, both for you doing it and as part of the conversation that you have with people, is it helping them find their joy at home, find their joy at work? Like, does it, does joy play a role in, in those conversations? Absolutely. I think oftentimes it does. Well, it's joyful for me. I feel very energized by the majority of the conversations that I have with clients when there's just that heart to heart, heart talking to heart, that's a really joyful place for me personally. I think for a lot of people being a new parent and trying to, well, being a new parent full stop and being a new parent and returning to work is a time where a lot of joy can get lost. And in fact, I bet you've talked about this on your podcast at times, you know, people feeling guilty that they're not feeling more joy with what they have. I think Mm -hmm. there's this you know, we look around the world at all these suffering people and we think what's wrong with me that I don't feel joy and that I have a healthy child at home and I have a good job and I have a warm place to sleep at night and maybe somebody to partner with what's wrong with me that I'm missing joy. But I think it's really hard to feel joy when you literally don't have any space to think (laughs) to be. And so helping people carve out that space and refine some elements of joy or refine parts of themselves that maybe have gone missing in the, some of the monotony and the brutality of, of child, you know, caregiving for in early childhood is, is a really essential part of the work for sure. And it's also joy has such a complicated, we have such a complicated relationship with joy where we feel like, am I allowed to feel joy while all this suffering is happening? Is that, is that a privilege? Is that entitlement is, you know, as I'm going through something very, very difficult can I still find moments of joy? Like it's, it's a very complicated subject on the surface. It feels like, oh, it should be so easy. Like, oh, it just means like you're happy about something. But then when you really dig in, we realize that joy exists alongside a lot of other emotions. They're not mutually exclusive. And what is our relationship to finding joy once we find it, how do we hang on to it? If we've lost it, how do we find it again? Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's very, fluid, I love that you brought right? that it's up. Very yeah. And that the world is, and to your point, the world is full of suffering. And so do we, do we stay quiet about our joy because we're so fortunate to have joy? And actually mm-hmm. part of my work is I teach and facilitate Dr. Brene Brown's work. And she talks about this idea of comparative suffering and that we like to say, well, I shouldn't complain about this because that person has it so much harder than I do. And actually she, um, her work teaches us that 
all the data says that people who have been through the most gut-wrenching experiences, they don't resent other people's joy. They actually resent people who don't appreciate and claim their joy, you know, who sort of waste their joy. And so that was really eye-opening for me to hear that someone who's lost a child, they would much rather see you finding joy and appreciating your child than um, trying to swim along in the muck with them. Yes. It's, it is so, it's so true. I went through a, a cancer diagnosis mm. during the mm, pandemic Wow, and so many times people I'm fine. Now I've come through treatment I'm healthy so and cancer free. And I'm very grateful for that. And it's one of those things where people say, you know, joy was a big part of my healing process of every day. I did something to find joy. I was grateful for science, grateful for modern medicine, but I had to have my head right. Yeah. You know, to get through the treatment, especially during a pandemic, I was going to all my treatments alone because I had right. to, yep. you know, I couldn't be with right. people. Wow, there, there is this idea of, oh, you know, since you're going through such a difficult time, I don't really want to share my good news with you. And I thought, oh my God, no, please yeah. tell me your good news. Like, yes, I'm going through a difficult time. And while difficult things are happening to me, good things are also happening. And it is helpful to see people celebrating and embracing their joy and looking for joy. And I, I never resent, no matter how difficult a day I'm having or what I'm facing, I never feel resentful in any way of somebody sharing good news. But I I understand people like they want to be sensitive to someone of like, I don't want to say, oh, look at me. Like my life is so great while other people are having a difficult time. But I think there's also a sensitive way to say like, this should be inspiring to us that despite everything that's happening in the world, there are moments of joy. There are, there are ways to embrace. Totally. Um, totally. And as somebody right? who's gone going through a hard time, I've never been through cancer, but for example, when I was in deep grief after a loss, it's normalizing yeah. to have people talk to us and treat us not just yes. like a sick person or not just like a grieving person. Right. So we want to be included yes. in the life of the living people. Absolutely. And, and at some point, like you just want to not right. think about your health 24. Like it's, it's not healthy to be down in that muck all the time. Like we have to do things that kind of lift us up. It's not that we don't know the muck is there. (laughs) Nobody needs to tell us right? right? No one needs to tell me about that. Um, but we do need to do things that kind of buoy us up. Right. And, and give us like moments of lightness or please, I would always say like, can you please just talk to me about something that has nothing to do with cancer, please? And sometimes people would want to talk about cancer. And I would say to them, you know what? Right. I just can't talk about this. I don't have it. Like I just, this is not something that I can have. I don't have the energy for this conversation right now. Can we please talk about anything? What are you watching on TV? What are you? What? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I'm so excited that you do that work. I'm so excited that you brought up the brilliant Dr. Brene Brown because I love her and I love her work. Is that where you did your training for your coaching? Does she have a whole training? Um, you have to be a certified coach. So you, you, you can only train with her, the, the 
credential that I have, um, which is a Daring Way facilitator, which is um, teaching and facilitating her work in The Gifts of Imperfection, Rising Strong and Daring Greatly, uh, that work, you have to be at a certain credential level of coach, a therapist, or a clergy member in order to teach that work. So I did my initial coach training through the Coaches Training Institute, which has is called the Coactive Training Institute now, but it's CTI, which is in California back in 2012. But it. it was a long-term goal of mine to get credentialed in Brene's work. Yes, I do it, it both with individuals one-on-one and also in workshops and seminars. So it's that's so exciting. Yeah. I love that. I'm so glad you're in the world and so glad yeah, that you're doing that thanks. work. Thanks. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I want to pivot and talk about another source of joy for you, because it's actually how I know you. And I want to talk about the joy of reading great books yeah, and sharing. Great let's books talk about it. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and you have been a book lover all your life, right? From the time you were from the time you could get a book in your hands, you have loved books. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was the kid who would, you know, was like, just would take home 25 books from the library and be ready by Wednesday, you know, to exchange them. <laughs> you know, my mom would, would kick me outside to get, to get some vitamin D and sunlight. You know, I was just so contented to, and it's funny because I, I mentioned I have a background in theater, but I've sort of done this like performative extrovert thing my whole life, but like I'm a closet introvert and, and really like being, yeah. being cuddled up with a good book somewhere cozy is my like pure joy for me. <laughs> So it's always been a part of my life. And then I think through the process of going to school and college, especially, you know, we do a lot of have to reading. And then I had a career that kept me really busy. And then I had little bitty babies and it was hard to get reading time in because when I climbed into bed at night, it was like I was asleep the second my head hit the pillow until somebody woke me up. And so there was, there was like reading happening over time, but it would take me a long time to finish a book. And I would maybe get through 10 books a year, you know, which, which is not nothing, but it was nothing like the reading that I had done, you know, earlier in my life. So I, um, I sort of have an obsession with collecting books, the books, independent bookstores are another thing that bring me joy, nothing like rare books or anything like that. But I never met an independent bookstore I didn't like, I'd love to own one someday. That's kind of a dream to to do that and sit around and talk to people about books all day. In 2015, late 2015, my dad was dying from leukemia and we had recently moved to Seattle. Yeah. It was just a really tough time. My, one of my kids, I have three children. One of my kids was really miserable adjusting to this move from to Seattle from Arizona. There was not a lot of joy happening in my life. And I stumbled upon the website popsugar.com has an annual reading challenge. And I think at that point it had only been going maybe a year or two years. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember who first told me about it, but I landed on their page. And for those who aren't familiar, this pop sugar reading challenge, it happens every year it for the calendar year. And they list 50 types of books to read as a challenge over the course of the year. So it wasn't, you know, you should read Little Women and The Great Gatsby. It was read a book set in the 1920s, read a book with a female protagonist, you know, read a book by a by a person of color or, or an author who has a disability. And I loved that because first of all, I, I don't like being told what to do. So I'm not great with really prescriptive 
things. And, and book clubs, I had done, I've done a ton of book clubs in real life, have moved a lot. And so some of those book clubs were amazing and people that I love and cherish, you know, to this day, other book clubs are less, are less so. Another part of sort of my personal story is I got sober eight and a half years ago and a lot of book clubs are wine clubs in disguise. <laughs> and I have zero judgment about that because I used to love that you know, aspect of book club. I read a lot less when I was drinking wine every night. I will tell you that much. But um, anyway, so I, I had been sober, I guess, about a year and a half to two years when I found the reading challenge page. And I thought, this looks so fun to try to read 50 books in a year. Who could possibly ever do that? But I think I'll put it out on Facebook and see if I can get five or 10 reader friends and some of the friends that we, you and I have in common to join and see if they might do it. So I put it out there and I think maybe 25 or 30 people commented on Facebook, like, I'll try it, I'll do it. And over time, so that was December, 2015, over time, we started it that year. And I I didn't finish the challenge that year. I think I made like maybe 40, like it was a huge amount of books compared to what I'd been reading. And we slowly gathered steam and people invited people. And what it has become is this, community, almost exclusively of women, which I never said that it wasn't supposed to be, but women invited women of some of the most kind, thoughtful, sensitive, interesting people who read everything from romance to um, heavy duty nonfiction, memoir, dystopian um, books about witches and fantasy, which is so not my cup of tea, but you know, I just appreciate um, there's such a diversity of readers, but they all have in common this really re- um, deep respect for one another. And there's just a kindness and a grace that is extended to each person in the group that is so, for me, rare in the world of social media and really rare, I think, in, in the world we're living in at the moment. So. That was a long answer to that question. No, it's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. And Libby, can you tell listeners that the name of the club on um, Facebook? Sure. It's it's really, there's probably a lot of overlap. So I would say um, it's called, a, I think it's called 2022 Reading Challenge or Reading Challenge 2022. It is the least interesting name. I update the year mm-hmm. every year because it started as the 2016 challenge. So I would yes. say, my name is Libby Sider Nelson. And if you want to connect with me, then I can add you to the group or Krista could add you to the group. Mm -hmm. All avid readers are invited to join. And I will say some people do the challenge and work their way through and other people aren't doing the challenge, but they just love to come on and read about book recommendations or make their own. And that's totally fine. We don't have any hard and fast rules. We just, nobody's selling their stuff or you know, promoting anything during the pandemic um, in the summer of 2020, when the George Floyd murder happened, and there was a lot, the Black Lives Matter movement was really taking off. We did our our first and only collective book reading. We read the So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma Alua. I hope I'm saying her name correctly. But we met over a course of four weeks, and we had anywhere from, I think, 14 to maybe 25 on any given call. And we were all reading certain chapters and talking about it. That's the only time in the seven-year history that we have all agreed on a book. And we have almost 500 members in the group. So really, 5% of folks you know, got involved in that. But 
other than that, we just, we've been wide open in terms of what, what people want to talk about and read about. And I personally know that I know because I have some family members in that group who are on a totally different side of the political spectrum than I am. I know we have folks with every different faith tradition in that group. And yet it is a conflict-free space. You know, people are like, oh, it's interesting. You liked that book. I thought it was the worst book I ever read. I love hearing your different opinion on it. You know, people are just so respectful. Mm -hmm. And I love that it's, it's very much been this invitation. I was introduced to it by our friend, Heidi Kettenring, who is a Chicago actress and she's amazing. And she said, oh, Krista, you love reading books and you're an author, you write books. I bet that you would love this group. And it wasn't that I had gone to Heidi and said like, oh, Heidi, like, please like help me find people who love books. It was just, she saw that I would post a lot about books on my personal page. She was like, oh, I bet you would love this group. And I feel like that's how a lot of people have come into this group. And it's, I always find that it is the best recommendations. People write the most thoughtful book reviews. So when I write my book reviews of something that I've written, I feel like, oh, this, this has to be really good. This just can't be like, hi, I read this book and I really (laughs) liked it. Like, that's not, I, people are going to say, oh, well, what, what did you like about it, Krista? Like, they're going to ask questions if they're interested. I also find when I'm looking for something to read, like just scrolling through everybody's posts and their comments, it's, they're so thoughtful about if you like this kind of book, Mm-hmm. You'll like this. Oh, definitely check out this audiobook because it's read by the author and it's really incredible. Like just all kinds of like very right. cool recommendations. And yeah, some of it is timely stuff. Some people are reading classics or revisiting books yeah. that they've read in the past or new additions to books or book news. Um, yeah. And you're right. Yeah, right. Book memes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's no snobbery no. around it. I love that you brought that up because there's no sort of like poo-pooing if somebody isn't reading something literary enough mm-hmm. or serious enough. It's like yes, this space. Exactly. I mean, I think yeah. that even some of them, uh, there have been things like, oh, somebody was really into comic books, right? And so they wrote a post about that yes, or right. they've written a post about anime right. or this new trans, oh, this book has- Right, written, kids yes. books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really, yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And I, I do think it's rare, especially in, I feel around the book world and especially being an author and being in the book world, there is, you know, so much of it is driven by reviews. How many stars did it get? Like that kind like, and it, there's a lot of, of pressure right. in, in the publishing world. And what I do love about this group that you've created and these group of people that have gravitated to it is that you're absolutely right. There's no snobbery. There's no um, talking down to people because they liked something or didn't like something. It's, I love right, how totally. people are so um, respectful. So I have to ask, what are you reading right now? And what is okay. um, like your last really great read of like, you're still thinking about this book and you get it in your mind. Oh, geez. Great question. Great question. So I'm reading something amazing right now, which I'm m- many, many people have read. I'm kind of late to the party, at least in our book club, which is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. I have, have not, you read it? No. Okay. And I, the name, the author's name is failing me. So that's an epic fail. Um, I haven't had to write my review yet, or it would be locked in my brain forever. And it's at my bedside table and I'm down in my office. So I don't have it in front of me, but it's, um, it's an, it's a great, it's long. It's, I love, sometimes I love an epic kind of length book because I feel like 
I am so connected to those characters by the time it ends. But it's about a young woman who in 1714, France makes a deal um, in order to escape a potentially terrible marriage. She makes a deal to have the freedom to live as she wishes. The caveat is that she will never age and she will not be remembered by anybody who meets her. Oh my God. So she can do and be anything, but she, when she meets somebody, if they leave the room and walk back in, they don't remember her from five minutes before. And she's not fully aware of all sort of the, the elements of it, but it is a um, moving, beautiful, I love historical fiction and it goes back and forth between 2014 and 1714 and, and all the years in between. So it's quite, it's, it's awesome. It's great. It's, it's got been so well reviewed on our page too, that, um, so this people who are not familiar with the challenge, this will be funny to you. So one of the books is, um, listed for this year, the 2022 challenge is a book with a constellation on the cover, which if you don't read a lot, you're probably thinking, how on earth am I going to find a book with a constellation on the cover unless one immediately comes to mind. And that's one of the things that's beautiful about our group is people say, what's a book with a constellation on the cover? And people will chime in with what they're reading. And this is one of those. And it fits a bunch of other categories too. So it's great. I'm, I'm really, really enjoying that. Um, yeah, gosh, what's a, what's a book that I have read that really stands out to me? Um, you know, interestingly, I read this book several years ago and it didn't like change anybody else's life. <laughs> I think, but it was really meaningful for me. Um, it's a mystery, um, interestingly, which I like mystery, but I'm not like a mystery junkie. I like a literary mystery. And it was called Long Bright River by Liz Moore. I don't know if you read it, but I'm from Philly. It's set in Philadelphia. It's set in the Fishtown, Kensington neighborhoods in Philadelphia, which is where my family sort of has come up over the last couple hundred years. Like that's where they were all fisher people and shipbuilders and um, it's set in the modern day, but it's set in that neighborhood, which is seeing a lot of gentrification. Mm -hmm. And there's a there's a storyline of addiction about it, but it's really a lot about inherited family trauma. And there's also a a, a mystery component. And it, the poetry of it is just absolutely gorgeous. And Long Bright River is about the Schuylkill River, which runs through the city of Philadelphia. And it's also about um, the river of people whose lives are touched by addiction. And because that's a part of kind of my story and the story of my family, I think it just, it just touched me in a way that probably other people thought, oh, that was a good book. But for me, it just felt deeply right. memorable. Right. So right. yeah. And super readable. I like, I like to say the books that give me the greatest joy are complex stories simply told. I, I like, I like, I like spare language and complex ideas. I don't want to work super hard when I'm reading a book for fun. <laughs> I just don't. But I I like to think about it, but I don't want to have to read the same page five times to figure yes. out what they're trying to mm -hmm. say. I totally so. Know. How about you? What are your what are your is it okay to ask you an ask interviewer? What are the books that <laughs> What are the books that bring you the most yes, joy? There Krista? are so, there's so many books. So I, so far I have written exclusively fiction and I write YA fiction and it's a fantasy adventure series. So a, a publisher actually just bought my trilogy, awesome. which is very exciting. So Congratulations. I'm very, very excited about it. So I, I love that 
that genre. It's all set in New York city. And so I love being able to like dive into a, I love world building books where I'm literally like immersed into someone else's world. I love it. One book that I still think about all these years later, I read it many, many years ago now is um, all the light we cannot see, um, which to me is Mm -hmm. still, it's still with me. Like there are scenes in that book that I still think about on the regular. I mean, it's, it was just an incredible book. Um, wow. and Anthony Doerr, who's the author really, he's he, a master. He really, he really is. And he's also, he is able to write all of these different types of characters. So he doesn't have a character that he writes about or a type of character yeah. he writes about. He is able to really inhabit all of these characters, you know, no matter who they are, what time period they're living in, um, their age, where they're living. And I, I love yeah. an author who does that. My favorite book of all time from childhood is um, The Adventures of Alice in Wonderland, which is still always my favorite. Oh. And I, I love that idea of, wow. and it's a common trope, which I, I didn't realize so much until um, uh, John Booker, who's a mythologist and a writer, is a very dear friend of mine. And he's also my writing mentor. And he talks a lot about mm. um, women who go down under, like the fall, like falling down into another world is a very common trope throughout literature, which I never really Uh, thought about. But then you think about Persephone uh, who goes down with Hades. mm, You think about mm -hmm. Alice in Wonderland who falls down into the ground. Like it's very, very common for women to be submerged into a world and then to reemerge stronger and transformed, changed by that changed. And I love, those are the kinds of books for me that I want to see the main character change and grow and evolve and be different at mm-hmm. the end of the journey than how they started. And yes. so books that can do that, I'm very similar to you of like, I don't want to have to work very, very hard for the language. And it's not that I don't appreciate dense language, but a lot of my other work Agreed. is so intense. And I come to reading really yes. as a relief and as an escape and so that for me is, yes. is really powerful. I also love books that are really, really funny that like, that make me laugh out loud. I am not really a humor writer. I feel like yeah. maybe I'm situationally funny, but I'm not a person who's like, oh yes, everything Krista says is so hilarious. Like I have friends like that. I'm like, oh God, it's a superpower. I wish I had, but I don't. Um, but I love yeah. um, the books yeah, by yeah. Bill Bryson, I think are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, Annie Lamott, I love her books. Um, oh, I love her, her too. Just, yep. She's so real and raw and she'll say something like so yes. beautiful and poetic. And then she turns around and she's like this cranky Christian. And I just, yeah. and I love that <laughs> right. duality um, of her work. Agreed. And right now, actually on my, on my nightstand is her um, latest book, which is um, Dusk Night Dawn, which is like sort of this whole yeah. uh, kind of emerging from, she's talking about climate change. Um, she's talking about the 2016 presidential election. Like she's sort of in that space and where, where we're going. Yeah. It's pre-COVID, which is interesting. So far. Wow. Yeah. I can't wait to see what she's oh going to come God, out with after this COVID time, election. because I do her book about like bird yeah. by bird made me want to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And I, I still have my copy yeah. of that book that I go back to all the time. Um, her fiction books. I loved also what she sort of started in her early career. And then she's really moved to almost exclusively nonfiction essay writing. Like essays and memoir. Yeah. Operating. I read operating instructions 
when my oldest, who's also named Sam as her son mm-hmm. is named Sam in the, in like when he, my oldest was a year or so old and it was, her experience was totally different than mine. She was an addict when she found out she was pregnant and that was not my thankfully life experience, but just the, the honesty that she yes. talked about motherhood was transformative for me and made me yes. just completely fall. Exactly. Exactly. I will say one of the books that really influenced me still continues to influence me is um, I went to South Africa for an exchange. When I was in business school, I went for an economics class for three weeks to South Africa. And I read um, Nelson Mandela's long walk to freedom, which to me is one of those like seminal reads that if, if there is one book that people say, Oh, what's a a book that you think everyone should read. And I I sort of shy away from that. I'm like, well, there's not one right book for everyone, but that book, I mean, that Mm. life story. And there's, there are passages of that book where he's talking to his daughter and uh, he's actually, he's giving the um, speech at his daughter's wedding. And he was imprisoned for most of his daughter's life you know, and he doesn't, he leaves her Mm -hmm. and goes to prison at a a very, very young age. He knew that if he Mm -hmm. continued to stand up and do what he was doing, he was going to be in prison. Like he was under no grand illusion that somehow he was going to escape that. And he willingly makes this decision to do this. And he talks about being a freedom fighter and being a father and how the only regret that he has of being a freedom fighter is that he had to put the love of all people ahead of the love of his own children. And he's giving this speech Mm -hmm. at her wedding. And it's just such Mm -hmm. a powerful Mm -hmm. passage of how thoughtful it was and the deep regret that he has, that he didn't have a close relationship with his children as they were growing up and how difficult it was even once he came out of prison and, you know, and he lost all of that time and, th- and there was a lot of resentment from his children, you know, and even though they respected his work sure. yeah. and obviously so appreciated what he did for people in South Africa, there was a part of them that mourned the loss of their father, that they didn't have their father growing up and, of course. and him being able to be that actor and to talk about that in, in such a poignant way. Um, to me was really powerful. Mm. And then I would say the books of John Lewis that sit on my desk all the time, Mm. that his like good trouble mantra of get into trouble, good trouble and, and keep standing up and speaking out. And I think, God, what a treasure of a human being, that fact Mm. that we got to live on this earth with a lion like John Lewis, right. Who I like, when I think, oh, I'm going through something so difficult. How am I going to get through? And those are the kind like, yeah. that I think of them. And I'm like, well, John Lewis was just a man. He was a boy when he was involved yeah. in yeah. these works. He, was. And yeah. he just kept yeah. standing up. And that to me, mm-hmm. and that he went through cancer at the end of his life and like fought to the yes. end, like right to the end. Mm-hmm. To like that mm, kind of mm. powerful figure, I think always continues to inspire me. And there are stories that I hang on to, you know, in our own, in our, like, I mean, yeah. look at the difficulties that we're going through in our world right now. And I look at people like president yeah. Zelensky and I'm like, my goodness, 
like talk about yeah. an absolute icon and hero and someone that history will look to for hundreds of years from now of look at this man yes. who stood up for his people without reservation yeah. <laughs> and mm, just and that legend and that he was a yeah. comedian yeah. that he was He's not, yes, an he was an actor <laughs> and he's now the president of Ukraine and fighting for his country against this mega superpower. And he seems like, I'm sure he has moments of absolute fear and terror and he continues to rise anyway. And I just, yeah. I love yeah. those stories. I, I'm a huge fan of memoir. Um, and I'm so glad that people write Me down too. their stories yeah. because we've lost so many people to history because they didn't write their stories down or they weren't given the opportunity. Women, especially especially if like we hear about women all the time, like look at these incredible people. Um, Henrietta Lacks is somebody that I think about all the time Mm of, I'm so glad that that book was written so that we understand what her life was and what her legacy is. And we wouldn't know if that book wasn't written. And I feel like so many of those stories have been lost. And I, I love hearing about, um, those types of stories and when, you know, women who were scientists who made incredible discoveries and yet they, either their work was stolen from them. It was overlooked. They were not given credit. Um, I just think that there are so many stories of that. I feel like, Oh God, I wish I could go to Ukraine and record all of these stories (laughs) that people are living through because there's, There's so yeah. much out there. So yeah. that's my very long-winded answer of like, I love, <laughs> I love it. And, and I think that's one of the things that I love about books and about reading and, you know, getting back to the, the joy piece of that. And, and one of the reasons that this reading group has become so meaningful to me is it has invited me to, and pushed me to read things that might not have been sort of normally like next on my list or next on my nightstand, because they're categories that are um, outside of like my consciousness that I didn't know really existed. And to be able, I, we can never live inside. I think actors come as close as, as actors and writers come as close as another human being gets to walking through life in the skin of another person. Most of us struggle with that. Most people are so, you know, sort of what's next in front of them. And so I think reading great books allows us to slip into as best as we will ever be able to be slip into the skin. And maybe it's great art as a whole, because I think really great movies and TV can help us to do that too. Great pieces of art, certainly books though, you know, help us to slip into that and to look through the world through someone else's eyes. And gosh, what a different world it would be if, if everybody took advantage of that opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like that great quote of somebody who reads books lives many different lives right? To get to see so many different perspectives and, you know, parts of the world that we might never see certainly like time periods that we did not live through. Like I love reading stories about like, oh, we were digging through this attic and we found this diary of somebody who lived like hundreds of years ago that nobody, nobody had ever heard of. And, you know, those kind of first person narratives and like those primary source materials, it's probably like the history major in me that I just, I love that idea of like, what was it like for just the average person to be living through the civil war? 
Like we hear about all of the big. Are you familiar with story? Yes, I love follow their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, huge. Yes, yeah, yes, and I love yep. that. And there's so many people, regardless of you know if they've lived in the same place, their perspective is so different right? Like they've seen things mm-hmm. in such a different right. way. And I, I just love that idea that books can, can give us a completely different perspective, a completely different point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Libby, this was such a wonderful yeah. conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on Joy Project. And thank you for creating this wonderful, wonderful group on Facebook that we're able to all connect and, and share our love of reading and great books and recommend books to each other. It's really something for me that has been such a joyful part of my life. And I'm so grateful that you created it and, and invited people in. Well, thanks for being a part of it, for contributing such great reviews and writing wonderful books so that this legacy continues. And Krista, thanks for inviting me. I mean, I never would turn down an opportunity to talk about the joy of books and to do it with you is like bonus. So thank you so much. And um, yes, if your listeners want to join us and the books, um, in the book page, they can go ahead and, and reach out to me on, on social media or certainly to you. And, and we'd love to have yes, you some great. And I definitely on the um, webpage for the podcast, we'll put like all of these links and, and resources um, so people can get in touch and be brought into the joy of reading and recommending great books. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much, Krista. Take care. I'm so glad Libby is in the world doing incredible work with her coaching and by sharing her love of reading. Recording and editing this episode felt like a warm hug for me, and I hope you felt that way listening to it. A big thank you to Libby for sharing her joy of reading, recommending, and talking about great books and for telling us about her coaching work. You can learn more about her coaching business at LibbyNelsonCoaching.com. Thanks to all of you for spending part of your day with me and with Joy Project, and I really hope that you'll join Libby, me, and 500 other book lovers by joining the Facebook book club that she started. The link to the book club is on the website for this episode at kristaavampato.com joyproject, or in Facebook, you can search for 2022 Reading Challenge. The year changes in the title each January, but the group stays the same. It's full of wonderful people who love books, and I hope you'll join us there. You can find me on Twitter at KristaNYC, on Instagram at KristaRoseNYC, and through the website for this podcast, kristaavampato.com joyproject where you can also find links to everything we talk about on the podcast and links to all of our incredible guests. I hope you're finding joy in some way every day, especially during this holiday season. Take care of yourself and take care of those in your corner of the world. Have a joy-filled week, and I'll chat with you again on Tuesday, December 20th with another episode of Joy Project. That will be our last interview for this season of Joy Project. Thank you for the gift of your presence and attention. It means more to me than I could ever fully express. Big virtual hugs to all of you, and I'll chat with you again next week.